you ever faced injustice? Have you ever faced a gross injustice? Well, today, in our closing off of Genesis chapter 4, we're looking at this story from the purpose of what we can learn about being resilient in the face of injustice. So welcome. Welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. The project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, over the next five years. So please join us as we drop in together and pick up the text where we left it off last time. Hi friends, we're going to conclude today Genesis chapter 42, covering the last few verses, looking at the situation where Joseph has been the subject of just one injustice after another. And we're looking at basically how he has responded to that in the greater narrative of the story. Because of course his response is now played out in the situation where his brothers the ones who were perpetrators are the one who certainly initiated these circumstances that for so long seemed to work against him, that they have, from their point of view, by chance, appeared before him, but they don't have that knowledge yet. So you see the brothers, they've returned back to Joseph now, but if you remember, they went back to Jacob and they gave him a somewhat sanitized version, shall we say, of what had occurred the first time they were in Egypt. Uh, We covered this last time, but if you remember, they didn't go into detail about the money or about the fact that they'd been thrown in prison for three days. So they kind of edited the story a little bit, probably to try and save Jacob worrying too much. But now at this point, they're emptying their sacks of the grain And they actually discover that each of them had in their sack a bag of silver coins, not just Simeon. Now they're surprised because they notice that the bundle of money that they were meant to use to pay for the grain is still in the sacks. And that causes them great fear. Both they and of course Jacob, their father, Israel as he's called now, They see the bundle of money together and the text tells us that they were afraid. Now the word afraid has been used, or the word that is translated afraid has been used twice in the latter part of this chapter. It was used back in verse 28 and it's used here again in verse 35. But a different word is used, a word that has a much more intense meaning. So what it's telling us is, This time, these brothers, they're very near panic-stricken. So that's where we were last time, and let's continue with the story and pick up the text in verse 36, which tells us, Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Now let's just pause for a second. Have you ever heard anyone say anything like that? Have you ever heard anyone express this sentiment of the whole world's against them? Why is everything against me? Have you ever felt that way? If I was to take a pound every time that someone said that to me, well, I probably could afford to change my car a bit more regularly. What I mean by that is this is a really very common expression. 
People often, when they're going through hard times, say everything and everyone is against me. And that's clearly the way Jacob is feeling at this point. But he does more than just say he feels that way. He spells out exactly why he feels that way. Because I've lost my son Joseph, he says, and I've now lost Simeon, and now you want to take Benjamin away, my youngest child. So he, you know, he's obviously fearful that things could even spiral and get worse. So what do you think he's going to say? Here you go, off you go, take Benjamin, take my, my youngest, my new favourite, take him into this dangerous situation. Not New Nelly, he's not going to say that. Let's just see what it tells us happens as we close the text of the chapter. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, he means Joseph, and he's the only one left. If harm comes to him in the journey you are taking, you will bring my grey head down to the grave in sorrow. So Reuben is saying here, let me take Benjamin. I promise I'll keep him safe. I'll bring him back to you. And if you don't, you can kill my two sons, your grandchildren. Now, I'm not sure how useful it is to tell a grandfather that if he loses another son, then he can even the, the account, as it were, by killing two of his grandchildren. Not sure how that's going to help, really. Which is probably why Jacob said, Benjamin shall not go down with you, for his brother Joseph is dead, and he's now alone. He even says, if any calamity would, would fall on my son Benjamin, that would make my life not worth living anymore. The expression used here is that will bring my grey hairs with sorrow to the grave. Wonderful Old Testament expression that appears a few times. What he is saying is, if you take Benjamin and something happens to him, that would just be the end of me. It would kill me. So he's saying, no, I'm not going to let you take Benjamin. The loss of Benjamin would be too much for me to bear on top of everything else that has happened in my life. All right, there's going to be more to this story, but to hear the full working out of it, you're going to have to come back when we move across into chapter 43 next time. But for now... That's the point where we've reached the end of Genesis chapter 42. Chapter 43 will give us the next episode in the life of Jacob and Joseph brothers. But it's obvious that at this part of the story, it is writing about and telling us about the son of Jacob, Joseph, especially at the beginning because of the way it is written. So I just want to pause for a minute and talk about what we've learned about Joseph so far up to this point. And a big overarching theme is Joseph has been treated unjustly and he's been treated unjustly repeatedly for a long time. The sum of the story is so far the narrative has been mainly about the injustices and how they've played out in the life of Joseph. But the wheels of the story are beginning to turn in the direction of the story is beginning to change. The redemption of this situation and this family is now beginning to appear on the horizon. It's coming and it's all going to be part of the greater story. So to recap chapter 42, because of the famine, Jacob sends 10 
of his remaining eleven sons to Egypt to buy food, leaving the youngest, his favourite Benjamin, behind with him. Without noticing it, those ten sons, Joseph's brothers, they encounter Joseph, not realising who he is. And Joseph keeps back Simeon in order to get Jacob, Israel, to bring Benjamin back under the pretense that it is to prove that they're telling the truth of, about how they are all a family and can be trusted. So this is all, in a sense, a strategy for Joseph to bring the whole family together in one place. But Jacob, at this point, is refusing to let Benjamin go back to Egypt with the others. But like I said, while there are other figures involved in the story, so far, at least few chapters, it's been about Joseph, and it's mainly told this sorrowful tale about these events, one after the other, in which he's been treated unjustly. But now at last, Joseph is in a position of influence and control. He now has the power to even the score if he wishes, and we're going to see how he's going to handle it. But please, I just want to make a couple of concluding observations before we exit this chapter and continue with the narrative in the next chapter. Let's see, as I said at the beginning, if there are some things that we can learn from this story that we can apply if ever we're called to face injustices in our lives. And the number one thing I think we can learn from the example of Joseph was Do not retaliate. He didn't retaliate. There's no vengeance going on here. As a matter of fact, he seemed to remain well disposed towards them, tender-hearted, it actually says, towards his brothers at all times. He's testing them, he's challenging them, but internally he's remained tender-hearted. So what's his motivation? Why is he doing this? What's going on here? He's withholding his identity and he's put his brothers in prison for three days and he's insisting that they bring Benjamin back with them to Egypt. Is this revenge he's seeking? Well, there's clearly no indication in the story that Joseph at any point is being vindictive. Remember, we actually witnessed him going off to one side at one point and weeping, which indicates that he really, really had a compassionate, tender heart towards his brothers, his family still. And he also is seen to return the money by slipping it back into the grain. And even his insistence on the, that they should bring Benjamin back, it's not going to be for retaliation or retribution. It will ultimately be seen as an attempt at reconciliation to bring the whole family together for that purpose. He is much more anxious for reconciliation to take place with his brothers than he ever is for any form of vengeance. So I think the lesson one here for us is, uh, if ever we're treated unjustly, then please don't retaliate. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Now if you read the entire passage in Romans from where that quote comes, you will get the very clear impression that God can also do a much better job of levelling things up than you ever will. So keep in check your urge for retribution. Keep your hands off the idea of vengeance. Let God deal with it, friends. That's what we need to do. It tells us to keep a tender heart, more so than just not seeking vengeance. Don't get hard-hearted and retaliate. 
much more than that, we are to call to aim to be reconciled, to be the peacemakers. Blessed be the peacemakers. Now, as we've gone through the book of Genesis so far, and there's plenty more to go, I think it's interesting that we've seen these main characters and how they've changed and the change that occurs in their lives. Not just with Joseph here now, but others have featured as well. Abram changed so much, he had his name changed to Abraham. The same happened to Jacob, he became Israel. But we also saw situations like Reuben, one of Jacob's brother. He violated his father's concubines, but later still showed great concern for both his father and for Joseph. And Joseph himself, well, he once was a very cocky, arrogant teenager, but Joseph has become the wise statesman, the one who will forgive his brothers and have a tender heart towards them. I think in all the cases indicated by the name change, the change of character is really quite dramatic and in this case indicated by the actions of those people growing spiritually we can see a dramatic change there as well so this is what's critical here friends don't use the injustices that you have experienced that no doubt have been done against you to trip you up or set you back in your spiritual maturity or in what god has plans for you rather Try your best to grow through it all. Because that's what Joseph does here. He used these trials and tribulations and injustices as an opportunity for growth. Okay, I'd like to make one more observation, but I do believe it's a super important one. The Lord has used all these injustices done to Joseph to put him in a place where he could save the nation of Israel Egypt as well, but most importantly, save the nation of Israel from starvation. Now, you can only see that perspective if you step back and take a helicopter view. If you see this story within this chapter, within the overall context of the life of Joseph, and importantly, within the even larger context of the meaning of the book of Genesis. This is very, very important that the Lord has used all these injustices to work his will, his purposes in the lives of Joseph. The providential work of God in the practical realities and situations of the everyday. So can I repeat, the Lord will use every injustice perpetrated against you to bring you uh, his will about in your life if you let him. Thinking about this story, suppose the famine had come and Joseph's brothers had not sold him into slavery, then would he have been in a position to save this early emerging nation of Israel from starvation? The answer is no. Suppose when he got to Egypt and was Potiphar's house and was at the height of that position and Potiphar's wife had not lied against him, then he wouldn't have ended up in prison and he wouldn't have been able to demonstrate his ability to interpret dreams by interpreting that dream of the cupbearer. Even though granted the cupbearer forgot about him, it was still God's plan. So he prompted him again to raise Joseph up as part of the overall scheme for him to be in place so he could eventually interpret Pharaoh's dream and then be put into a position of influence. Joseph could easily have never been in a position to talk to Pharaoh or even have had responsibility for the food supply in Egypt. 
So let me repeat, friends, that the Lord God can use injustice perpetrated against you in order to accomplish his will. So bearing that in mind, beloved, don't let injustice ever bring you down. Speaking in the words of this passage, don't let injustice bow your head with sorrow. Jacob was a very special, spiritually mature man on the journey of life, particularly after the journey of life that he went through. But even these circumstances and these events came close to bringing his head down in sorrow. So believe, friends, believe that God has good reason for permitting your testing. And someday, maybe soon, you will understand why those things happened. You may not be able to see it now because we look through a glass darkly, but you will know one day. Now, I really do hope that that helps, particularly if you're someone who's experiencing injustice in your life at the moment. Maybe you might be experiencing some type of gross injustice perpetrated against you. But I think that believing God can even use these injustices to further his will in your life is a great, great comfort. And that you can also say that someday, maybe soon, you don't maybe understand today why these things are happening, but someday you will. And that holding on to that perspective, I believe, really puts the finger on the pulse about what God is doing here and what it can teach us about living our lives in the everyday. I quoted this previously, but that famous hymn, God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm, deep in the unfathomable minds of never-failing skill. He treasures up his brightest design and works his sovereign will. God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. Now I know for some of you things aren't great right now. I see that and I hear that through the messages I receive and see on the social media channels. So things may be tough for you. You may be experiencing injustice in your life at the moment. But friends, believe Believe that God has a purpose, a reason for permitting this testing to occur, for permitting the injustice that you are currently going through to happen. And please, friend, in the knowledge that God can use it, don't become downhearted because you don't really know at this point of time what's going to come out of this situation for you. It will only make things worse. This I know for sure. It will only make things worse if you get angry or bitter. So don't, friends, don't get resentful. Don't seek vengeance or retaliate. One day, you may very well be able to say, you know what? Times were hard, but in all things, God worked together for good. That doesn't mean all things were good all the time, but you can see in the greater scheme of things that all things were called together to work for good. And it was happened because it is the promise of God that that is what will happen to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Simply put, you never know what might be around the corner, what might be coming after the tragedy, what mountain you might be able to climb after languishing in the valley. So don't react to the circumstances, to the tragedies, to the injustices until 
you can grasp hold of the reality at some point you will see the big picture and that big picture that plan and will of god will surely come afterwards you know louis pastor he made some of the greatest discoveries he ever made after he had a stroke that actually threatened to shut short his life and he carried the disabilities of that stroke all through his later years when he made some of his greatest discoveries John Milton, that giant of English literature, wrote some of his deepest and very best poetry after he was struck blind. Beethoven composed some of the most beautiful music ever written after he became totally deaf. Unbelievable, isn't it? And the Bible tells us, to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes, all things work together for good. God has great plans for you, friends. I really do hope and pray that you can hold on to that perspective today. Okay, friends, that's it for today. We're closing off chapter 42 and we'll launch off in a new chapter tomorrow. I'd like to remind you that I always put a complete transcript of each and every one of these podcasts and they're placed within the episode notes of any audio version of the podcasts. And there's also links there where you can access uh, ways to connect to the ministry and links where you can access other forms of teaching and resources that that are available. So please follow the links through have a look at the various ways I'm trying to help support and disciple people who are interested interested in making the Bible part of the rhythm of their daily lives and if you're really appreciating this journey together through the Bible chapter by chapter verse by verse then please why not think of liking it sharing it or even reviewing it uh, wherever you receive it from or what on whatever social media channels you use I'm told that that will make this podcast be seen and be much more available and therefore be able to help people commit to having the Bible as part of their daily lives. But other than that, that's it for today. I really do appreciate each and every one of you, thousands of you out there now joining us on this journey through the Bible. And I particularly appreciate those who have made the decision to pray for me. Pray that I may continue to be able to stay focused and to have both the health and the resources to be able to complete this great Bible project plan to its fruition. But anyway, thanks again, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow, I trust. Well, it's tomorrow for me. It's whatever day you want it to be for you. But I'll see you right back here on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.